This week, support for Zap to the Past podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. To join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their most prized possessions with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code ZAPT20. That's ZAPT20, Z-A-P-P-E-D-20 at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls that are already being shaved by Manscaped products. Welcome to another special episode of A Zap to the Past. Normally each week we are looking at a load of C64 games and music TV and all that kind of thing, but not this week. We're in our mid-season break, as you probably noticed. We just finished off 1987. We are preparing to get into 1988. Um, But in the meantime, yeah, I know. But in the meantime, um, I feel we're at the top of the bell curve at the moment for games. It's like... Yeah, I think it could be a slow decline. I think it's all going to... Slowly head downwards. But in the meantime, mm. for this one, and as promised, as part of our Patreon, we have um, our Ask the Podcast. And so over the past few months, our patrons have been probing us with questions. We've been chatting with them, but now we must record that. And you can listen to that for your audio pleasure. Um, and that's what this is. So it's another, we've got questions that they've asked us. We're going to answer them. Um, and that's what this is. So it's just a, a little interstitial break while we're sort of on hiatus. Next week, mm. we are getting back to 1988. So we've got the first of the January episodes. I know, I think I said we'll be coming back, starting that into it. But, you know, we, we, we're doing other stuff. We take a week off. We were very tired after 1987. I was very, very good. tired. Very tired. It felt like I'd actually lived through 1987 again. <laughs> Yeah, so we needed a bit of a break. And, and this is a nice palate cleanser. So it's just a few questions. So that's what we're going to do. So, you know, if you want to get in on this action, obviously, um, and ask us questions that you may have burning a hole in your soul, um, you can do that by joining up to our Patreon because that's where these questions come from. And you can find our Patreon at just patreon.com forward slash zap to the past. And if you join the C64 level, you can probe us with questions and we will endeavor to answer them along with all the other stuff that goes along with that, which is early access to the episodes. You get these, uh, you get these early any bonus things we've done and we've just we, we you know we've just bonused haven't we we've just, just we've just bonused we we've have. absolutely just bonused got, got um, right bonus <laughs> a brucey bonus <laughs> <laughs> it's better than a brucey boner <laughs> a book bonus um, so we, we've just we've just done that so you get all those kind of things uh, access to our discord where there's loads of crazy chat going on you can put stuff in for our yearly awards and all things like that so that would be cool if you want to do that anyway enough of that should we get into the questions i think we should i think we should i think we must 
Yeah, David Hearn asked us, our first one, what was the catalyst for you to switch from the Commodore 64 to another platform? For him, it was Damocles, which had only come into the Amiga and ST, and he saw something called Mortville Manor and was impressed. So he moved on to the Amiga and then later got a SNES. What about you? What was the kicks? Was there any? Yes, actually. I was, at this point, at the really at the peak of trading... We'd been creating demos on the C64. Are we talking about Mark, the end of 1987 here? Uh, no, for me, it was back, for me, it was at the end of 1989, 1990. Right, so okay. I still had a C64 up to this point. Been, we'd been making some demos, me and uh, my friend Joe, and obviously um, we'd kind of drafted everyone into do a bit of something at some point. You'd come in and written some scroll text. We'd had I some had. My, a friend of the podcast, Gary, had even been in. We were all part of a kind of a demo group. We'd produce some what we thought were quite cool demos. I look at the new demos now and think, goodness me, you know, but either side, we, we, we were doing some stuff and what we weren't doing really was playing a lot of games at the time, heavily into demos. But one of the members of the, the demo group we were in, S-Express, he got an Amiga and traded 64 and got an Amiga. And so I started to be exposed to more Amiga demos and more Amiga games because obviously he was still part of the scene and so was getting a lot of access to that. And it was those Amiga demos because I was really into the demo scene for the C64, still am. And the Amiga demos that started to appear really started to, because I loved the music on the Amiga. It was really what sold the Amiga to me. It was the demos and the music that I was hearing. And then I saw somebody, a friend of mine had got a, a tool that enabled him to create. It was a, like a soundtracker type tool. Um, and he'd got um, he'd got a load of software and he'd got this tool. And I was sort of really impressed with how easy it was to make it make music on the Amiga with the tracker software. And that's kind of what made me think, actually, I need to get an Amiga because I want to make the music on it. I want to do that stuff. I wasn't so bothered about doing demos or anything like that on it or even playing games. For me, I've, I wanted to use it as a music creation tool. And, mm. and yeah, I, I said about that, doing yeah. that. And so I sold Lock, Stock and Barrel, my Commodore 64, with all of my discs and code routines of the whole Bally lot and got an Amiga 500, which was the pack that came with Shadow of the Beast 2. And I can't remember a couple of other games, I think. I can't remember now. And then, of course, went to see my friend Mark and went to see my friend Steve at the time, who both had Amigas. And they just gifted me with a whole metric ton of demos and games <laughs> and stuff. And then the rest is kind of history. I never really looked back. And my, I had an Amiga for a long time after that. And then from Amiga for me, it was kind of PC after that. But that was me. But you, what's your, because you sort of, you had a 64 and then what happened? Yeah, I had a C, well, I had a C64. And for me, it wasn't so much moving to switch from to another platform, really. I just sort of, I went through a period late, eight, well, I don't, I've already said it, sort of thing, 87, 88, 89, where I just kind of fell off computers for a bit. I think I turned 16, 17, 18, you know, I was turning 16, 17 at this point. I was doing other stuff. I think I would have bought, I'd have bought a guitar at this point, maybe. Guitar, so, girlfriends and guitar, things. Guitar, girlfriends, started to go out. There was just a whole different life. And so it was like... You know, I was doing other things. I had a job um, with part-time money. We were, you know, we, I think we started going out in 1990, obviously, um, yeah. you know, to pubs and clubs and, and things like that. And so th- this all it, all, it all changed. So uh, the Commodore, my Commodore 64 was just packed away, really. I didn't really use it that much. And so I just fell, I, I actually had a period where I completely fell off gaming through that period around about 89. The only gaming I was really doing was around at your house. We yeah. would play like High K Plus on your Amiga. We'd play things like Dark Mirror. Shadow Beast. Darkmere, yeah, that weird, uh, that weird sort of isometric RPG one, yeah, yeah, yeah. things like Shadow Beast, Lotus Esprit. I remember, obviously, you you playing Secret Monkey Island, things like that. So there was there was stuff like that that I was aware of and, and would sort of look at. But it was I think we were more into you know more into films and we started making short films and stuff like that. And we that's did. kind of we yeah. were doing our fanzine all yeah. that period of time, which was you know another use for your Amiga. I was making some tunes on your Amiga as well. I did a few did. tunes on that. Um, and so I didn't actually get an Amiga until. I went to university. Oh, it was just before I went away. I think it was night. I think I was using, I think Tony got one. I moved away with him. He was using one at college, wasn't you? Because the the titles with it, with that Scala software. 
Yeah, so we were using we were using stuff because that was that was still based on yours. That was you know we were doing those video compilations, weren't we? Compilations mm. of Carnage and stuff like that. So we were doing things on Deluxe Paint, those crazy yeah, animations. <laughs> and so we we were using we convinced uh, we convinced the college to get an Amiga with a Genlock, didn't we? We convinced them. Yes, now you need to get one did. of these, and then we can do titles. And they they went okay, and they did. <laughs> Good yeah. on them. But I bought one primarily when I went to university for word processing to write essays on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also got. A, some it might have been off you or it might have been from someone but i got some discs and i got a copy of bc kid bonk's revenge which i really enjoyed but most importantly i got a copy of a game i bought a copy of premier manager premier manager by gremlin graphics it was one of the few um football managers that was multiplayer so you could have up to four players so you'd be around robin you know you do your stuff and you have the game and everything like that and me and my flatmate at the time sean we played seasons of that over the three years that we lived together or two years that we lived together so that was my most played game on the Amiga Premier Manager. That was it. There you go. Mm, wow. And then I think after that, I got a PlayStation. No, I got an N64. And then that was that after that. My, flat, my housemate got a play, PlayStation. and You were consoled up. I was back into the console world, yeah. That was that. There you go. Uh, Andy Marsh asks, do you distinctly remember any time in your computer history where you knowingly deleted something or threw it away just because? Uh, yeah, actually, I do. Two things that just spring to mind straight away. Firstly... I created a really interesting uh, boot block virus on the BBC micro computers that spread through the disks of the school, Whitgift School, like a <laughs> crazy. And I got reprimanded by a, a teacher at the time, a Mr. Olroyd, um, who uh, dragged me to the headmaster's office because uh, of all the trouble I'd caused. Um, and it was a really straight, it wasn't really a proper boot block virus, but it was basically every time you put a disc in, it would ask you a question. But the real question it was asking was, do you want to format the disc? And then if you pressed yes, it formatted your disc. <laughs> Stupid, really. <laughs> um, I can't remember that because it wasn't just me that did that. Me and Joe did, well, Joe did a significant proportion of the complex code. They were an incredible talent mm. for that kind of thing. Um, so that was one thing that was we knowingly deleted on purpose. The other thing was I originally had five parts that we created for Cyanide 2, which was a big multi-demo, and I formatted the disc one day by accident and wiped five parts. So there was five parts for that that never saw the light of day. We tried to recreate them as best we could, but five parts got inadvertently wiped in a moment of utter madness. To this day, I remember being screamed at about that. Um, <laughs> but that was, but those, those are the two occasions. I don't remember on the Amiga anything happening like that. I think there's a couple of times when, when I've lost music that I've created and I've kind of get it back now where I'd sort of guy the, the disc had corrupted or, or I threw one of the discs away or something had happened. I lost an entire box of discs somewhere in, which had a load of key music files on and stuff like that, including some of the ones that we used when we had a band. So in time that happened, but yeah, the knowingly doing it, I think is is perhaps less so. I'm a bit fastidious collector of files though. I still am. I've got hard drives full of random crap. <laughs> That's so never high. changed about me. I used to have disk drives and disks boxes full of disks with random crap on it. Well, <laughs> stupid names like Blobby and Flobby and Clobby. <laughs> yeah, I remember your file name, stupid. <laughs> stupid had, file name convention. Exactly. What's it, it, this? It, it That's never, Flobby 1. That's Blobby exactly, 2. <laughs> exactly. What and is so it? This, I still do it to this day. I, I'm still like that. Even now I've got hard drives full of folders called Flobby and Blobby and Globby with just bits of file on. I do. I, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm. I guess I'm the equivalent of a, a hoarder, but for digital files, digital which I suppose hoarder. is yeah, which I suppose is safer than filling up a house full of junk. But well, you I, end up I, with I, hard drives full of stuff. I can't talk. I've got four two terabyte hard drives plugged into my PC, and I bet they're full of blobby and clobby and clobby. <laughs> yeah, they're all they're all mostly full, but that doesn't include <laughs> the one the one terabyte of two like you know SSDs that are in the hard drive. There's nine gigs, nine terabytes of stuff. <laughs> That is so much stuff. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it is crazy. At some point, that, that computer yours is going to become self-aware like Vija. <laughs> yeah, probably. 
God knows what it'll do, though. Just go looking for whales. Um, I don't think I've ever knowingly deleted something or threw it away just because. I don't think I've ever done that. But the one that always sticks in my mind, it's not C64, Marie, or anything like that. Uh, on the, I had the Dreamcast, and there was a program on the Dreamcast called the Bleemcast. And what okay. the Bleemcast did is it was supposed to be this revolutionary thing, but it eventually got singing down, and I bought the disc. And what it allowed you to do was play Metal Gear Solid um, on the Dreamcast. Now, Metal Gear Solid was only out on the PlayStation. But it allowed you to play, put the Bleemcast Metal Gear Solid game and then put the disc in for Metal Gear Solid, and you could play it. It up-resed it. It increased the, te- the texture resolution. It made it look way better, and it ran smoother because the Dreamcast had a lot more power. It was essentially an emulator running on a dreamcast for a playstation wow the only thing was though that it, it you had to have a, a vmu the, the memory cards for the dreamcast you had to have one of them formatted for it so you had to have a blank one and then when the Dreamcast ran it said okay i'm going to format this as a playstation me- memory card so we can save the game yeah. so i spent like an hour i had like five five of these memory cards and most of them were full because i had loads of games and i spent like an hour clearing one um, off so I had m- moving everything off it to sort of rejigging stuff and f- trying to fit everything onto these other four so I had one clear and I put the bleemcast in so I copied the last bit off into one of them and I put the bleemcast in and it said um, do you want to format it and I, I went yes and just as I clicked yes I pressed the button and looked down and the blank one was by my knee oh no <laughs> Oh no, that's like that's the nightmare. That's so like, the, the blank one, so the one that was full of game saves, like entire saves of Shenmue, <laughs> Soul Calibur, everything open and lot was on that one, which I just pressed yes to reformat it. The horror yeah, of oh this gosh. was that. It, I, so I made this recollection. The, the the pain was though I was I was in the front room doing this, and my partner at the time was sat there with her friend, and they were just chatting away on the sofa, and I was just doing this in, in the living room, just trying to keep quiet because they were having a chat. We didn't have a very big house, so there's nowhere to go, and so they were on the thingy. So it was one of those moments that I couldn't I couldn't scream which is what i wanted to do and say a lot of swear words so i just had to silently seethe in anger um because i couldn't do anything i remember you know my nails went into my palms <laughs> i was just so angry with myself because there's nowhere to direct that anger nowhere it's only just the, the realization of what you've just done that like mm, so many hours of gameplay just gone and i was like i felt so i was so angry <laughs> but that's the worst it's the worst thing i've ever done in regards to that hours just gone. I was so annoyed. That's the worst thing I've ever done. There you go. Next one. David Hearn says, what game, C64 or any platform, did you know wasn't great, but you still kept coming back to anyway? This was Friday Ooh. the 13th and Mad Doctor. Uh, oh, gosh. I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm on record on the podcast of saying I played a lot of Talladega back in the day and Cobra. Yeah, you did play a lot of Cobra, didn't you? I'm trying to think. <laughs> Which I know it. was, I knew it was terrible. I played loads of it. I don't know why. It was probably that music, Ben Douglas music. That's probably mine. I mean, I knew they were terrible. Mm. I, Friday the Thirteenth. I don't think I could forgive you for that. No, I, mean, I, didn't, I, I knew I, that I, was I, awful back no, at the time. I actually had a low tolerance for kind of crappy games, so I did for some reason. I'm not sure why. Go back to Booty for quite a while. <laughs> I, kept, I kept reloading and playing Booty, and well, I think because, partly dad, because my though. dad really, liked, yeah, he really yeah. liked it. So, but I think, and I also just got kind of got into it. That and um, I remember repeatedly loading. It took ages to load Wizardry as well, and then just always getting stuck in the same place and just thinking, <laughs> why do I keep putting myself through this torture? <laughs> And it was that it was the, I remember the rumors it was like do 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 do
kept getting stuck in. So those games tortured me um, so periodically. And I think I even also loaded Book Rogers when I had that on turbo tape and kept playing yeah, that as well. Yeah, I think I played a fair bit of that as well. Bloody crap. I don't know what, what possessed me to keep running to play that rubbish. But yeah, those ones really, probably. A lot yeah. of that turbo tape got some hammer in my house, let me tell you. It's ironic. Yeah, Book Rogers is nothing like the TV show, is it? No, it is not. <laughs> really not. 2000DC asked, don't know if this has been asked before, but what other podcasts do you guys listen to? And did you take any inspiration from them? Um, I have historically not been a huge podcast listener. You were more of a podcast listener than me. Mm-hmm. However, you put me onto a particularly good one, which was a pop collaborating listen, um, which is that uh, music one, isn't it? With, um, yeah. I forget them, Dave. Yeah, it's Dave and Krista, my friends, Dave and Krista. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's a particularly good one. And I, I've listened to the entirety of that. I quite like that. I also like one which is which is on the BBC Sounds, which is um, called Evil Genius, which is um, one where they sort of um, it's. So it's Russell mm-hmm. Kane gets a panel of co- other comedians and they basically take a historical figure or somebody and just to try and decide whether they're a, ne- a genius or uh, evil by process of just going through some simple facts and what he calls fact bombs, where they open up envelopes and. And they discuss it. That's quite good. They're quite they're quite fun. And they're really those are the podcasts I've been listening to. I also listen to one called Nostalgia Goggles, which is pretty good, and um, which is a gaming podcast. Also, of course, some of the other retro podcasts, which I've kind of got more into as I've done as we've done our podcast. So Retro Asylum is one that I've, I've, I've dove into, and there's a few others like that. And I've sort I've just because there's a lot of them have got so many episodes, I'm kind of picking and choosing my way through. Mm. But I've found also I'm quite into a lot of YouTubers. Um, um, so not the kind of classic YouTube, you know, where it's just some guy reacting to a guy opening a tin of beans or something stupid. Um, <laughs> oh my God. <gasps> oh my God, he's opening the beans. There's actual beans in the can. Wow. <laughs> or any of those, you know, stupid over jokey. Well, I don't know why, <laughs> why am I doing this anyway? <laughs> hey, that kind of stupid crap. There's a guy that called Stez Sticks Fix, which is a guy who just prepares um, old consoles and he's not necessarily an expert and it's quite a weirdly cathartic and interesting thing to watch him do because he gets these crappy things that he buys off eBay and then just tries to fix them by obviously replacing microchips and stuff like that. And it's something I'm crap at, soldering and that sort of stuff. So watching somebody who's pretty good at it, it's quite quite weirdly interesting. And then I also quite like, there's a guy called Shalen, which I've mentioned before in the podcast, who does a, is, is converting a big game to the C64, but he's got loads of how-to. If you want to know how to code 6502, and it's particularly Commodore in programming, uh, machine code programming, he's got an entire catalogue of, of hours of videos where he goes through sort of line-by-line assembler code. Really, really, really good stuff. And he's a genuinely interesting guy. He's, he does like a Twitch sort of Twitch channel broadcast, so that's what you tend to watch on YouTube. But they go on for hours. He's doing these things for three or four hours at a time. So they're really in-depth, really, really good. So you've got to spend, set some time aside to watch them, but they are quite interesting. And, of course, there's other YouTube channels I watch, but those are the, my main podcasts, go-to podcasts, um, stuff like that. And, of course, there's the, the, a lot of our friends who've been on our podcast, I always obviously tune into their podcast as well. Yeah. And Brand, Brandon's podcast. and, and Yeah, Hands On Gaming. Hands On Gaming. Yeah. What about gaming, you? Guys. Well, that, yeah, Hands On Gaming. I think the main ones I, I listen to at the moment when, when they come out, I'm a big fan of the Hardcore History uh, podcast, Dan Carling's Hardcore History. I don't know if you listen to them. They're incredibly in-depth podcasts about uh, historical events. So I think he's, the last one I finished was it's a five or was it six part six part series on the war World War Two in the Pacific, and they're each about five six hours long, and it's just him. Wow. <laughs> There's no, it's just him. 
Um, That's cool. The, so they come out like they're quite spaced apart. So, but so it's nice because you can take your time listening to them. So he's done. So he does one-offs. What he, what he does call these blitz episodes. But they're like, like three, four hours long. Um, and there's some really, really interesting stuff. He's done like history of Japan. He's done you know history of the U.S. The slave trade. He's done loads of loads of really, really, really interesting yeah, stuff. And he's. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't do that. Why, why did that happen? That's, that's that's an inapt moment for that to go. That's off. weird. I, did, I haven't t- done anything. I've moved. Uh, it, yeah, hardcore history is one of those two. Watch out for Fireballs um, gaming podcast, which I think is really good. Uh, where they take a retro game and they sort of dig into it and they do a deep dive on that. They have the spin-off, or not the spin-off, but the side thing called Bonfire Side Chat. Um, if you're into the Dark Souls uh, podcast, those are really good. So any Dark Souls, one, two, three, Bloodborne, they're all really very good. And they also look at sort of influences and games in that Soulsborne genre. So those are the kind of things I listen to mostly. Um, I, I was listening to Giant Bomb a lot, but that, that really went off the boil quite a lot recently. And, and the main guy, Jeff Gersman, who does it, is left and he now has his own podcast. So I listen to that because he's just uh, he's an American podcaster. He's an American sort of games journalist, but he's been doing it since the early 90s. Um, wow. And he's he, he just he's a massive C sixty four fan. He just he, sometimes he just does streams where he just plays a load of C sixty four games. But he, he's he's just knowledgeable about games and not just modern games, retro games, everything. It's like a walking encyclopedia of games. And so it's just sometimes it's just nice to listen to him talk because you just learn things and see different views. And it's quite he's yeah he's also pretty miserable about everything as well. So that's always good. Um, that's kind of what I listen to. I don't watch much YouTubers. I don't. I can't find the time no, to do all the podcasts. I'm watching when I'm having my lunch. Yeah, that's fair enough. All right. What C64 from David Hearn? What C64 game did you look forward to playing the most? And did it live up to your expectations? As mercenary for, for David. Um, okay. And it exceeded his expectations. For me, Paradroid. Okay. I'd been, you know, I'd been reading that developer diary in Zap every mm-hmm. month. And then the game turned up and, yeah, it's a classic, isn't it? We know this. It's a, it's a bloody classic. I think Summer Games 2 as well, because I had Summer Games. So I'd seen the review in Summer, of Summer Games 2 in Zap. And so when I got my hands on that, I was like, oh my God. And it was as good as I remember. Yeah, I mean, there's obvious ones, maybe Last Ninja in there, probably as well. International Cry Plus, um, things like that. I don't know, really. What about you? Probably uh, Last Ninja for a tape cassette game. Um, Defender of the Crown for a disc-based game. Yeah, well, um, yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to those. Um, uh, I didn't really sort of look forward to because some I'd had I'd looked forward to some games and my ex- expectations weren't met. So Fist Two, I was really looking forward to, and that was like being Fist Two'd um, when <laughs> Fist it arrived. Number two, yeah. So, but um, and IK Plus, I was genuinely excited for IK Plus. Um, I'd heard about that. I'd actually heard about it from other people before I'd even really sort of got wind of and I'd heard that it was just it, everyone was saying how amazing it was so I probably IK plus I really wanted to play that um and probably maybe um maybe possibly Rocket Ranger and possibly Zach McCracken but again I'd heard more about them through the grapevine um and come across them more than looked forward to so I think if I was going to be honest and say look forward to it would probably be something like Last Ninja or mm. Defender of the Crown um because they were you know I'd, I'd read about them and seen about them and they really did Know, leverage the hell out of um, Last Ninja. And also, to some extent, I think Delta a little bit, because I remember reading a bit about, getting quite excited about the idea of anything Hubbardy soundtrack-wise tended to make, make, pique my interest at that time. So, No, fair enough. Um, Dr. Goggles asked, are there any old C64 games which you never completed but wish you had? And do you hope to complete them one day or not? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't think I'd want to complete them now necessarily. Um, I don't know. 
possibly G- Great Gianna Sisters because I never ever finished that. I don't think on the C sixty four. So I don't know. Um, there wasn't the trouble that the trouble is the games I did finish on the C sixty four never really had very good endings. No, no. So and I did in the end, and I think I don't think I finished it. I'll be. I don't think I finished it honestly. So um, things like Mission Impossible, I don't think I honestly finished it. I think I found. I think I cheated my way to finishing that somehow at some point. Um, so I can't honestly say. But um, games that I never completed and wish I'd perhaps Gianna Sisters. And oh, um, that's about it, really. I never really was that bothered about finishing some of the games unless it really hooked me in. Is it really about you? Because I, I, I just kind of, if I got so far and then another game would come along, I'd be straight onto that one generally. Yeah, I can't really think. I think anything that I wanted to complete, I did. Yeah, same. So, sort of thing, really. and I think even back then, from what we, you know, what we found by doing this podcast is so many games are so bloody hard. Yes, they get ridiculously hard unless you're going to cheat your way through to the end. There's the ones I wanted to complete. Green Beret, um, Antiriad, Last Ninja, Target Renegade, these kind of games which I got really into and fought yeah. my way through to the end. I did it. Yeah. Because, um, and also back then, I had the time. Yeah. I had the time and I had the 15 year old reflexes. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you also, as well, not just that, but I had the, it, that was all you knew. So you didn't know game pads with multiple buttons and different things. It was just like this, this was gaming back then. That's all you knew. So you could, you could, you weren't sort of distracted by anything else. Um, and you just spent hours playing them and replaying them and going at them and going at them until you just got to the end. Don't think there's anything that I'd want to complete now because I think I would have just done it back then if I'd have been desperate to do it because, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, you know, I think now, I think if I was going to complete something, I'd, I'd either cheat my way or just go watch the ending on YouTube. Yeah, probably same. So, yeah, maybe sad, but it's just time now, isn't it? Back then, you yeah. just have all the time. You have all the time and none of the money. Yes. Now, now I have none of the money and none of the time. It's a terrible, terrible <laughs> dichotomy. <laughs> the novel Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now. Growing up in the 80s is a chore for Sarah, who feels misunderstood by her parents and badgered by Reese, her bothersome brother who incessantly prattles on about his treasured computer games. When Reese tells her one of the games tried to pull him inside the computer, she laughs off his fanciful fib. She waggles the joystick to disprove his fairy tale and is pulled into the computer. Now trapped in games she'd never had any interest in playing, how can she possibly beat them? With the help of Feisty Nell, another trapped player, can Sarah find her way back home or is it game over? An evil madman, a hostile planet, bloodthirsty robots, a never-ending throng of karate experts, and relentless digital soldiers will do their best to ensure Sarah never escapes. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, find out if there's a way out of the beige bread bin of betrayal for Sarah in Escape from the Commodore 64. David Hearn has listening to the last podcast. He asked this a while back. Kazusha said Barbarian would be in his top ten C sixty four games. But have we got have we got a top ten? Do we think we could, you could could you put a top ten C sixty four games together? Do you know? I think off the, just if I was just going to list games, I don't think it would work. I'd have to sort of really think about that more. I could think of the games that would I know would be in it for me. So definitely things like Maniac Mansion, Zap McCracken, and the Alien Mindbenders. IK plus probably barbarian would be in there in the top 10 um last ninja uh catechist um i uh, probably 
whiz ball. Um, I don't know. I'd have to, and that's just off the top of my head. I'd have to sit and think about it a bit more. And, and I'm actually waiting for, because I think there'll be some games that I don't remember and then we'll play them as part of the podcast as we go through 1988 and yeah. later. And I'm going to think, actually, yeah, I did really like that. Just haven't come across it for a while. Mm. Um, so those are just, the, well, those are the ones. But my top 10 would flex around anyway. Even back then it would change. You know, I was, yeah. I was nothing if not inconsistent with my top 10. Moves, games would move in and out of that. And I'd probably be able to answer that question more on the Amiga oddly than I would C64 because I spent a large percentage of my time with a C64 doing demos and that kind of stuff and it became less about the games when I got an Amiga I did less demos and had more games and demos to watch so maybe I'd be able to do it then but those things are probably summer games too maybe it would be in there one of the summer games would be winter game uh, world games I'm not sure but one of those maybe mm. but you yeah I don't think I could put a full 10 together I know some games that would be in there like similar to what you said for me there'd be things like Paradroid the Eidolon yeah Paradroid I forgot about Paradroid summer, yeah. summer games too I'm trying to think of others sort of thing um, that really Green Beret things things like that things that Nebulous would probably be in there Whizball would yeah probably get a shout and then, mm. so but you know a firm definitive top 10 it's hard to do isn't it without really sort of sitting down and a bit of paper and yeah. scribbling out and then you know like, I'm not going to do that right now but it's hard to, it's hard to do I mean follow, following on from that Mark Fletcher says, what's your top five events in Epic's game, ser- Epic's game series? Oh, that's a good question. I like the ski jump from Winter Games. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the barrel jump and the cliff diving from World, World Games. Games. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I've, I quite liked the bobsleigh until I replayed it and then realised how short it was. 20 um, seconds, isn't it, if you're really good? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So I, I always remember it being a lot longer than that. Um so I quite like those. Summer Games 2, um, I quite liked some of the events in that one. I'm thinking more, I didn't so much like the waggly ones, but more of the throwy ones. So, There's no waggly ones in Summer Games 2. I thought it was the foot you could sort of spin your joystick round and sort of, you know. Well, yeah, there's, there's, there's rhythmic movements, but not waggle. Yeah, that's not what David I mean. Thompson's waggle. No, I don't, I don't mean waggle like that. I just mean throw, I, tend to, I tend to prefer throwing events and stuff like that and jumping and things like that as opposed to just running mm. events and jump, running and jumping events. So, mm. But those are the, off the top of my head. It's, and there's well, I can tell you also hate more things like log rolling and oh, things like rolling. that. And sumo. sumo and even the cable toss to some extent, apart from its sound effects, it's pretty lame. So just stuff, I know, stuff like that. And California games, I could leave all of them. I don't like really like any of them. Yeah, exactly. Games. If I go through them, probably the diving from Summer Games, which I found immensely satisfying. The triple jump from Summer Games 2. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, just the, the mood, the control of that is your legs. Right leg, right leg, left leg up. Right, yeah. right, left up. It's perfect. Perfect, perfect control system. Probably, I don't know, uh, winter games. Yeah, ski jump. I, I, I like the ski jump. I like the rowing from Summer Games too. I like that rhythmic back and forth, getting that rhythm going. And when once you once you nail it, it's so so satisfying. Probably my list in the page, in the page was probably different. I'm trying to think right now. Um, maybe the maybe the weightlifting. I think when you nail the weightlifting, that feels quite good in World Games. Yeah, maybe yeah. But also, pro- actually, don't no, probably over that the the cliff diving. Yeah, and maybe the barrel jumping as well. That's six in it. So somewhere along, it's somewhere it's out of those. Probably. I mean, there's probably all of them. I mean, most of them from Summer Games too. But I, I don't know. Uh, that's that one. What else we got? Let's go. To this one, David Hearn says, what was your A, favourite, and B, most disappointing sequel to a C64 game? Sequel Ooh. could be on any platform. 
SQL on any platform is leaves it a bit wide. Yeah, I mean, we could you could just stick with the C64. Yeah, I think um, it's not a SQL as such. I mean, I, I really like um, Maniac Mansion, and I suppose its its natural progression is Zap McCracken. So, um, right, but I do yeah. like Day of the Tentacle as as a direct SQL. So I quite like that. Um, Last Ninja Two is a good sequel to Last Ninja. Yeah. Um, so that's quite a good. It's actually slightly better in some ways. Obviously, IK less plus. so. IK Plus. I can say less so Fist Two, but IK Plus. And should I think if there's anything that really makes me go because Ghosts and Goblins was okay on the C64 but it was a good sound and everything but game itself not great I don't what about know. Ghouls and Ghosts uh, yeah Ghouls and Ghosts again sorry Ghouls and Ghosts great sounds but I can't remember what the game was like on the C64 it's, it's, it's okay it's alright it's not amazing but the music is um, I don't know because even Gauntlet 2 was kind of crappy and I for some reason I, I did quite like Gauntlet in its own kind of unique way um, Druid and Druid 2 are good yeah um, mm-hmm so that's probably off the top of my head. Those, if I sat and thought about it more, I'd probably be able to lean some more of those. But yeah, I think IK Plus is probably favorite. You know, along the along the favorites, like I said, Last Ninja Two is good. Um, disappointing is got it's got to be Fist Two. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think it, it ranks. It's such a fall from. I know I could see what they were trying to do, and I get it, but it didn't work, and it was buggy, yeah. and it was broken. Yeah, and, and Impossible was, Mission Two, and it was dull. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I suppose favorite. Avida Zay Monty, doggy. Yeah, Avida Zay Monty. But you could, I mean, favorite sequels would be Pit Stop Two, Summer Games Two. Yeah, yeah, Pit Stop Two is yeah, absolutely. I always forget about Pit Stop One. That's a good, Pit Stop that's Two a good is that good. Yeah, we, that's we, what I mean. We looked at it, of, didn't we, back in episode zero? Yeah, it just kind of starts with two for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I think there you go. That's that. Let's just find another one. Uh, Doctor Goggle says, "Where do where does Adrian stand on the band Mister Mister?" <laughs> on their neck on their tiny necks <laughs> on their lazy lazy <laughs> necks do i need to answer that you know where i stand on double name same word name bands i'm not having a ha though by the way i see you put a ha in that list i'm not having that there's the two separate it's spelt differently there's no hate yeah you, yeah, you can't ha-ha. have a ha yeah it's not a ha i suppose it's just yeah but mr 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 talk talk duran duran uh the the do you imagine if mr mr did a cover of a twisted sister song <laughs> <laughs> Mr. God, Mr. Mr. Twisted Sister, <laughs> or Shakespeare's sister, or Sisters of Mercy. Sister. Mr. All those sisters, sisters come together. They all come together. Mr. Sisters of Mercy. <laughs> Mr. Sisters of Mercy. Yeah. <laughs> Shakespeare's Mr. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Shakespeare's Sisters of Shakespeare's Mercy. Shakespeare's yeah. Mr. Yeah, yeah. That's where I stand <laughs> on, yeah, the on neck. their firmly, firmly on their necks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until they snap like twigs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, oh dear. Uh, all right. What else we got? David Hearn says you can exist inside any C64 game for an hour. Which one would you choose and why? Ooh. Um, I'm going to go with Yes, Prime Minister. Quiet in that office. <laughs> You could go for yes, Prime Minister. I suppose that might suit you. I think I'd go for Frankenstein. We could just wait outside the tree. <laughs> oh, the agony of being chased <laughs> by a bear again. Oh, <laughs> I think there's. Uh, what was that game where you went into the brothel and you came out satisfied? I'd go in that game. Oh, Taipan. <laughs> I'd go in, I'll be in Taipan for a bit. You'll see you later. I'm off to Taipan. <laughs> <laughs> you come out tired but satisfied uh, yes <laughs> okay do i i don't look very satisfied it's still like a blocky sprite oh there we go david Hen also asks which of us loves bread the most <laughs> it's a strange question that and i'm assuming he means the actual 
you know, baked bread as opposed I to the band. So, yeah, 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 not the band. Although it might yeah, be the I band. Do, I, I do, well, I do like the band bread. bread so, yeah, I do um, like the I'm, band bread, and I also do like bread. I don't eat a lot of bread, actually. I don't know. I'm going to say, having stayed around at your place recently, when we came around, there was a, there was a lot of bready products for that. So it was good. It was lovely sort of things. But I mean, you oh, we had, had pizza, of, didn't we? Yeah, yeah we pizza, so right? I'm, I'm going to say you, you, you probably. Yeah, yeah, it's probably me. I do, I do. I've actually I mean, making, you, more, you, making more bread. Don't forget your plan when as a child to survive a <laughs> zombie apocalypse was to go up in your attic with several loaves of bread and just wait it out. Yes, yes. It's eat a crumb a day. <laughs> that, was my, that was my plan. There's no logic so, to it, really. Because they're going to go stale and moldy. Yeah, I don't know why I went to climb up in the loft. I figured the way I figured it was they can't climb ladders. The, you're confusing them with Daleks. Yeah, and it's just a stupid idea, really. I'm gonna... Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> David Hearn also says, "What game? What's the game you've played but never finished?" Oh, here we go. I think we've had this one already. Similar sort of thing. Yeah, one day you hope to get to return one, yeah. to and finish. We've, yeah, we've, we've, we've answered that one. We've kind of answered that. Yeah. Uh, this one more for you. Who is your favorite WWF, WWE wrestler or tag team? <laughs> and have you ever played a wrestling game you liked? So um, now, yes, the wrestling game I played, but there was an arcade. I've never really played a computer one. I didn't really like championship wrestling that much because I couldn't do any of the moves. But that's been the story of every wrestling game I've ever played. There was an arcade one, which was, I think, I mean, it might have been a bit of derivative of championship wrestling or something, but that was one I quite liked. Um, that was a two-player game where it was a tag team wrestling. It might have been called tag team wrestling. I, I couldn't honestly tell you where it was. They used well, to have we it played, in the... We played tag team wrestling, didn't we? We had a conversion of it. The Was it that one? Yeah, no, it was. There were, yeah, it might have been. There was an original arcade of it. The only reason I don't even know its existence is because it was in the student union at Grimsby College when I was there many, 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 many years ago, when they had a student union, so... God Lord, we're talking some yeah, time. I'm going back nineteen eighty something. Um so so that's the only game and I couldn't honestly tell you what it was called. Champ might have been championship wrestling or something like that. My favourite WWE wrestler um of all time um is uh the ultimate warrior he was and will <laughs> always remain my favourite <laughs> WWE wrestler. Now I liked some of the gimmicky ones, don't get me wrong. Roddy Roddy Piper and Jake the Snake Roberts, Ted DiBiase. I liked all of those. And there's so many of that time. That particular time was replete with, it's almost like looking at an arcade game full of characters. Yeah. Obviously, you've got Hulk Hogan, um, mm-hmm. but you had loads of characters. And they, they got silly with it, don't get me wrong. And obviously, it's all pantomime, really. But, um, and someone's going to start screaming, you mean it's not real? And, uh, I mean that. Um, <laughs> so, I, but I've always quite liked the Ultimate Warrior for many, many reasons. The least of which is because he was a babble-talking maniac. <laughs> Yes, he um, was. Run my legs over with lawnmowers kind of guy is what he says he wants famously. And <laughs> um, Hulk, oh, gun. <laughs> um, so I, I quite, and even now watching some of his YouTube videos, or the videos of him on YouTube, should I say, are absolutely hilarious um, to watch. And of course, so, there's, yeah. there's that classic YouTube clip of him where someone's taking all the words out. Yeah, it's just the breaths. Yeah, it's just, just the breath. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird. It's really, it's, really, it's, it's really weird. But yeah, Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, Dusty Rhodes, the Great Muta, um, you know, all those different because there was different leagues, and yeah, those. I mean, that that was me. What about you? Did you have any favorites? I mean, no, well, I never, I, I never liked wasn't really wrestling. your thing, was it? Was no, it, really your thing? it was. I remember we used to go around and watch it at our, our friend's house, but it was more you guys. I was just like, I don't get this. <laughs> just don't yeah. so it never appealed to me and it, I just it lost never... me when tugboat came along with his doop doop boop boop you know giant guy tugboat really why did i never get into this <laughs> well this was all before um before uh 
characters like The Undertaker in that were in it. It was the cusp of The Undertaker when he first started out. Yeah, I didn't mind The Undertaker. I did quite enjoy the Royal Rumbles. I still think it's great entertainment. I mean, as much as it's stupid. It's like someone who doesn't like football but doesn't mind like the FA Cup final. Yeah. You know, you, you kind of watch the finals. The Royal Rumble was always a bit of a laugh, just 30 people slowly, you know, <laughs> one by one entering a ring, which sounds dreadful. And it's easy to forget that there's some weird wrestlers. I mean, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, who would put his <laughs> victims in a sleeper hold and then cut their hair. <laughs> Came on in bright pink marigolds. Oh, good Lord. And Why the Bushwhackers. Never get into this? <laughs> oh, dear. There you go. I, I can't comment on that. It's just, not, yeah, it, whatever. David Hennel also asked, favourite arcade machine and why? Oh, good question. And do you, what's your favourite, actually? I've got, I know exactly what mine is. Oh, well, you go. Narc. Narc, really? Arcade, Narc is my favourite arcade game of all time. Okay. That, 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 and a very, very close second is Golden Axe. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I really liked, put a lot of money to Golden Axe. Green Beret, um, because of its simplicity and thing. Um, I always had a thing for the um, original Star Wars arcade. Yeah. Now, Phil, I played that recently at the arcade club and I wasn't and I'm, struck I'm not, on it. I'm not saying it stands up or anything like that, but I think it's at the time, good. at the time, I think it was incredible. That, you know, that, there's, you know, it, here's me saying I like a vector graphics game, but it that wraparound sound and all the sound effects and mm. everything and the Star Wars, it felt Star Wars, you know, when you were in the cabinet. And all that. Yeah. yeah. And it's got all the sound effects. So that was really, that was really good. Um, yeah. And Tron as well. I used to be a massive fan of yeah. the Tron arcade. Tron is always a bit of a classic, isn't it? Cause it yeah. It's very, very like the film. That's why I think it really, the sounds and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. I totally get it. All of those choices I could get behind those is really good. Just, I, I like Narc because it's crazy and it's so Friggin' loud. It's like the <laughs> loudest game of all. Even even if you get an emulator, put an emulator, it's loud. All of a sudden, your speakers are, are louder than they've ever been. Like, how, how are you so loud? It's got the power of Eugene Jarvis behind it, hasn't it? Well, well it is Eugene. It's a Eugene Jarvis game. It's Mr. Yeah. Defender himself. So it's a Williams yeah. game, isn't it? So yeah. you know it's going to be loud sounds. And it well, that's because well when is. you worked into an arcade, you you heard Berserk. Yes, exactly. You couldn't you couldn't help but hear Berserk. It was just loud, and it's and it's got such an Ace eighties soundtrack to Narc, and it's such an Ace eighties vibe. Oh no, they're Narc man! Just dive out your car, rocket launching clowns. That's the way I like to I like to roll. <laughs> yeah, you can't really argue with that. Yeah, no, you cannot. Buzz it. What's this? Well, let's see. Let's see what we can make of this one. Uh, we're still uh, almost a year away from the release of Corruption by Magnetic Scrolls. He purchased the game and per- his brother purchased porn at the time. Not porn, porn. The game porn. P A W N. P A W N. And he still thinks it's the most impossible entry game ever, cr- adventure game ever created. Is it yours? I can't say because I've never played it. Um, I, I always found it. all adventure games relatively impossible. Yeah. Um, because I didn't like the passing system in them, which is why I dr- was drawn to the point and clicks. Yeah. So for me, I never really liked them. The ones I did play, I never really got on with anyway. Yeah, so. I, c- I can understand that. This is not something, I mean, if it's a Magnetic Scrolls game, I'm going to guess it was on disc. Um, and if it was on disc, it would have completely passed me by anyway. So I, I, I can't, I don't know, I can't, I can't answer that. So we, we may get to it. If it's not on disc, if it's not in the adventure section, we'll look at it, but. I don't know. It's not. I don't think I've even ever heard of it. Magnetic Scrolls, they did Guild of Thieves, didn't they? Support for Zap to the Past is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million satisfied men worldwide who can trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 
That's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code ZAPT20. That's Z-A-P-P-E-D-2-0 at manscaped.com. Now, if my maths is correct, that's about 8 million balls. So, yeah, uh, okay. Um, David Hearn says, uh, asks us for a game. I don't know if we've done this one as well. What, we missed when it came out, but I've since revisited and you have it in your top 10. Ooh. Um, I missed quite a lot of games when they came C64. out. I mean, yeah, it might have been that... Bloodborne and Souls games. So. Oh, yeah, because you're well into them now, didn't you? Oh, so I'm 60 hours into Elden Ring at the moment. Oh my God. A game that I missed out and I since revisited would be my top 10. If it was talking about games of all time, I would probably have to put in there, it would either have to be Bioshock, Half-Life or Halo or all three. Half-Life 2, sorry, or Halo or all three. Because I missed out on all of those games when they came out and then revisited them much later. Yeah, and I was shouting at you about them, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, Halo <laughs> specifically, I'd, I'd sort of come across, I remember doing a search for horror games on PC when I had a decent PC. And the three that came up were Bioshock, Half-Life 2, and one of the Silent Hill games that was probably around at that time, which I played. And out of the three games I played at that time, but I'd, I'd realized when I played those, certainly when I played, um, and also I think I'd played another one, but I can't remember what it was called. It might have been Fear as well that came up around. There was, anyway, I'd, I'd, I'd got the, I acquired mm. these games, so we say. And then... Um, that kind of sparked an interest in the sort of I realized that newer games were quite good. Now, bearing in mind at this point, um, I was obviously out of a relationship then by that time, which had been pretty toxic. So um, I was able to sort of get back into the things that I, that I really enjoyed. And yeah, gaming you, was one of those things. Out, you dipped out of games for quite, we, all, we both had oh, a, a period where we dipped out of games. Mine was probably like 88, 89 to about 96, 97 yeah, and mine was probably, probably because I didn't really play a lot of games at university. So 95 through to it, well into the 2006 sevens, actually, yeah. really was when. I mean, I did have a bit of a flirtation with them around 96 because I remember playing Duke Nukem and stuff like that around that time. You were, I, think, I remember you being into Goldeneye quite a bit. Yeah, and that's what I say. So around that time, I'd because I, I was working back at Blockbuster. And Mario 64, I think. You, yeah, you Mario like 64. And I, yeah, absolutely, I did. And I still do like those, don't get me wrong. But yeah, I think if I was on. Honest. I had a bit of a revisionist play of those Half-Life 2, particularly Half-Life 2. And I just didn't realize how far games had gotten, how good they'd gotten in that time until I played that. And then I remember catching up with you. And by this point, I think you were first moving to moving house to another city from where you'd lived. And you were looking at houses. And I think that's when you sort of talked to me in the pub about Halo and that I should really yeah. get onto that. And then, of course, and then from there I got <laughs> Halo and then got consoles and started to get re- really back into it and got a, quite a library of games and then kind of now I've kind of retuned out them a little bit aside from what we do for the podcast but mm. don't play nearly as many now well I, just, I don't have the time to play them and actually it's not about time really i can make time for them i just find that i don't have the i just don't i just i just can't play them for long enough to be i don't get into them as much as i did the last mm. one i got really into was um that Ghost of Tsushima, and I, and it felt endless as well. It felt like I was endlessly, by the end of it, I was almost composing my own haikus anyway. Just to, <laughs> please let me out of here. This game is endless. And it just felt endless. And it was good, don't get me wrong. It's amazing. But it, it was also, it reminded me at that time that I'd played exactly that game with just different skin on it in uh, in the Lord of the Rings game that came out and Assassin's Creed. And there was loads of games that looked and played a bit like uh, that. Yeah, the, the, the games industry is still suffering from open world game fatigue. That's why yeah, Elden yeah, Ring absolutely. is, is, is it's an open world one, but it's the it's the new Souls game. So it has that Souls DNA underpinning yeah. it. 
And it's more like Breath of the Wild, which is also yeah, excellent. And there's just some games I just didn't get into. And even, I mean, I still quite like my, um, you know, third-person hack-and-slash-type games, my Bayonettas and stuff like that. I like those. Mm. And they, you don't need to make derivations of those and make them more complicated than that. You know, just have an endless supply of demons from another dimension for me to contort myself into all sorts of crazy moves and you've got the game sold to me i don't need more than that and um, so that they'll do me and i still play them now and again bayonetta and bayonetta 2 on, on the wii u so yeah fair enough penultimate question david Hearn asks what's our favorite i'm gonna give this is another one for you your favorite and least favorite doctor who companion <laughs> i think i answered this in the channel I liked Sarah Jane as a companion. She was a companion to John Pertwee and to uh, Tom Baker. I uh, quite liked Leela. My dad really liked Leela. A lot of men of that age really liked Leela. She <laughs> ran around in a bikini, a cavewoman-style bikini for most of the episodes. <laughs> and then Perry, of course, came along later on. Big, bobbly, bouncy Perry came along. So I quite like those. other, But later companions, I quite, I mean, lots of people who do and don't like them, some of the later companions. I quite like Rose Tyler as a companion. I thought she was quite good in her own way. Um, I liked the Doctor at that time. I also quite liked um, uh, the couple of the later ones. Um, I can't remember a name now. For some reason, it's just gone out of my mind. But I quite like Peter Capaldi's Doctor Who, you see, which is very, very unfavorable thing to say. But okay. he's a problem. Uh, least favorites, Adric. Pig knows Adric. Don't like him. Glad he got <laughs> murdered by the Cylons. <laughs> never, never, never mourned his loss. Cylons, <laughs> Cylons. I've got Cylons on the brain. The uh, Cybermen. Sorry, <laughs> I was going to say we've got some sci-fi crossover. <laughs> that would be Ace, though, wouldn't it? But no, um, and I can't think of any others. There's, there's a lot of companions that I don't remember them. Did you like what, what's Tegan the, what, and Ace and um, what's what's the name? The one who has the thing on her back in that episode, and one of the later one, the David Tennant ones after Rose. After Rose, oh, um, what's, what's the name? Agatha? Is it? No, what's the name? She's a comedian. Oh, she, you know what? I've had a bit of a review of the. Um, I know you mean. Um, oh, God's sake! If I tell you, my, my brain is. <laughs> yeah, mine is Catherine. Is it Catherine's note? Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate, yeah. Catherine Tate. And I, I didn't at first, but I've actually rewatched that entire series. And yes, actually, she's actually, if you watch it, and there's actually, her story arc is actually quite, quite clever. The way Her story arc is really sad as well, I thought. Yes. Uh, so thought really she's good. a very good, she's actually a lot better than I gave her credit for. Yeah. I liked um, Karen Gillan as well. Yes. And I said, I think actually she's probably my absolute favorite because she's responsible for some of my favorite episodes of later Doctor Who. So there's, then there's such a good episode where she, she gets trapped in time away from the Doctor. It's so clever. Mm. Um, really good. And then, I don't know, early ones that I hate. I don't know. This is a lot of those. There's plenty yeah, of come and go. Come it probably go. is. Um, finally, this, I mean, I can answer this quite quickly, but whatever. Uh, David Hearn says, did piracy kill the Commodore 64? No, no. it didn't. No, it still didn't. Going. It is still going, exactly, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it didn't. And just as a wider thing, I don't think piracy kills any console. No. Um, it's, an easy, it's an easy scapegoat to put on it, but it's not. It's marketing, it's quality of games, number of games that get made for something. It's whether it gets picked up by the, the public. There's loads of it. There's loads of things, um, you know, Consoles fall by the wayside all the time. Computers fall by the wayside. You could you could argue that well, did did piracy kill the Dragon Thirty Two? No, it was just crap. Did it slay the Dragon Thirty Two? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anything like that. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it didn't. So and pirate. I mean, I most of my games that I got for my Commodore sixty four. I'm not going to say it was probably about a ninety ten split, and ninety percent of it was pirate. I'm not going to lie, because yeah. it just was. But I got so much of it that I, I still spent money when I had the money to wanted to buy something. I would still buy it. 
there were so many games that I played. You know, we've, we've gone to a lot of them in the podcast and stuff. So I was never gone. I would never buy anyway. So no. it wasn't a loss of money for the publisher because there was no way I was ever going to buy Election. No, or, you know, or anything like that. It just was never going to happen. I knew what games I really liked, and I bought them with my pocket money, saved up and bought yeah. them with my pocket money. It, if I tried something and pirate, you know, pirate and liked it, but like, okay, but I would have never bought it because I would never have taken the risk because I didn't have a lot of money. So piracy, no. piracy actually opened up certain games that I may have later gone on to buy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the same for me. I mean, I started off, like everyone starts off um, in the UK, um, you are limited by the shops that sell the games yeah. and by the amount of money that you get because you only tended to get money at certain times, birthdays and Christmas. So it's not yeah. like you just had money handed to you every other week or anything because I certainly didn't. You know, I didn't. I didn't have pocket money or anything like that. It didn't exist. Um, if we want, if I wanted money, I had to either find a way of earning it, yeah, I'd, or, or save paper round, you know, paper round, which pays yeah, three pound fifty yeah. or, four, or four pound a week. Exactly. So when I invested my money in a game, I had to make sure it was a good game. So I bought what I would consider to be, you know, good games. So I remember buying things like Green Beret, albeit that I've got V first and took it back, but Green Beret, um, Last Ninja, and those were things I'd bought with either birthday money or Christmas present money that I'd saved and things like that. I didn't ever go and could never go and ask my parents say can i have a game please because a 10 pounds is a lot of money and b they had no clue what i was talking about and also thought the games were a complete waste of money and my time mm. and because yeah. you, know, what, you know what could what you know you're wasting your time and your life away on that bloody thing you should be you know i got you that so you could you know do your own work better or whatever so uh, and then in the end my money then got diverted then into buying stamps and blank discs <laughs> Once yeah, I've got yeah, exactly. an action, once I've got an action replay and the ability to send discs to Europe, um, that all everything changed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think if you if you look at, I mean, if you look at the C sixty four, what it came out in nineteen eighty two. 1982 was it? Yeah. It's 1982, 83. 82, yeah. it came out. I mean, but we've got, we're at eight, the end of 87. And like I said, we're at the top of the bell curve. There's yeah. still, you know, we've got 101 games coming up in the next three issues of Zap. That to me doesn't sound like, you know, that's five to six years into the lifespan of this machine. Mm. That's not a machine that was killed by piracy. That's a machine that's going right. very strongly. And that, let's not forget the Commodore 64, it, as, far, as far as I'm right, it's still the biggest selling computer of all time, isn't it? Yep still is and there's still a, a, a vibrant scene a yeah. demo scene i mean even just recently in gub data 2022 so many amazing demos for the c64 have been released in a short yeah, space of time yeah. they're absolutely mind-blowing so the, the the people are still finding new ways to interrogate the code and find amazing things that it can do even now the machine is still releasing little secrets and little things and ways of doing things that were hitherto unknown back in 1980. 687 so it blows my mind so there's still games I know, we've seen not that recently but seen recently ish you know the whole sonic was released on the 64 i mean these things were unheard of yeah but they're yeah, crazy so i think this this amazes me that there's still life in that machine and they're still finding nuances of, of things that they can exploit and chips exploitations and things like that it's but that's the beauty of it it was a flawed machine but the flaws were all in ways you could exploit yeah um, yeah, and that made it, you know, that makes it infinitely malleable, which it is. It's still going to this day, you know. What amazes me actually is that there's still C64s that work because mine was, my power supply was dubious at best. As soon as I got it, I spent most of the time <laughs> whacking that thing with a oh, broom that, handle trying to get it to. Fuse at the back, take the fuse that, out, put it back that, in. That black bloody power black. I mean, I got oh, a different I, one I in had, the black. I had the, uh, the beige angular one. Yeah, the wedge. Yeah, I ended up getting a wedge from a. Got, I remember buying 100 discs and a, a power supply yeah, and then drilling holes in it. <laughs> sensible <laughs> so, so so it could vent because these things oh, just right. in, 
because I had my C6 rod so much, they were never designed for the kind of veracity of on time that I was plowing to the thing. Mine was on for principally a year, yeah, nonstop. Pretty, yeah, that fuse at the back, you had to pull out and put it, twist it and put it back yeah. in. I mean, remember my, my, my six had a, a green LED in it because I changed all the LEDs and modded it, and I'm early, early modding. <laughs> Finally, I don't think I've asked this one. I missed, I might miss this one. Uh, Andy Marsh says, on which 64 game did you put in the most hours? Ooh, um, for me, that would be Zach McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders. Because I played mm-hmm. that game for hours and hours and hours trying to figure it out. Um, I don't know what mine was. I mean, strangely enough, I, if, if I actually think about the amount of time I spent in certain games, it might be something stupid like Star Trader. Yeah. Because I spent, on, on that was on Soft Aid, I spent so long just on that game, just trading wares between different starports and looking <laughs> at those crap graphics. But I know that tune, and I know I played it for hours but so, but it could be something stupid like that. It might be something like Green Beret, Paradroid, or uh, Target Renegade, which are you know games I got through. But you can only get through those games by putting hours into them. Yeah. So I don't know. It might be the Eidolon. That's another one I never spent a lot of time on trying to get through to that final dragon. Games that I spent a lot of time on that uh, I'm surprised I did were Catechus. I remember battling my way through all of that and Qdex. Why? And when, when I replayed it recently, I'm like, why on earth did I pay so much to play this so much? It's bloody <laughs> you stupid. Were so very, you were so very proud, I remember, when I came around that night and you told I, me you'd completed I, I was. it. I completed Qdex. I, remember, what, well I remember doing it. I remember doing it and thinking, that isn't I've actually, you know, I've completed the quest for ultimate dexterity. That is an achievement. <laughs> Crap ending, but a good achievement. Yeah. We were not dexterous, though, back then. We weren't really that dexterous. <laughs> I don't quite even now. When I look back and think, oh, there's did I do that? I'm a, no, but I, I just know. had a good I memory for, for the game. And, and I played it heavily. That's heavily what I mean. It'll be, it. These games, it's hard to sort of say because it's you just re- repetitively cracking your head against something until you did it. Yeah. God knows how, God knows how many times I you know I got through to level three or four on Green Beret and died. Yep. <sighs> just because it was random. You're like, oh, God, so many times. There you go. I think that's it. I think we have been certainly asked some questions and we've given answers as promised. We have indeed. We have indeed. So um, normal service resumes next week where we get into January 1988. We'll be back then. Like I said at the beginning, join the Patreon if you want to join in on this next time uh, and for other stuff, you can get that You can get that stuff there. It's a short episode, but we're still on a bit of a little bit of a hiatus and a bit of a break and a bit of a chill down between its seasons. Before it, all the madness starts again um and that'll be next week so you got anything you wish to add no no i think it's been an, uh, an interesting trip with these questions and i'm sure we'll get plenty more just remember to join the patreon because that's where you can do crazy stuff and join in with us and do stuff like this yeah that's all good fun yeah if there's anything you want to know sign up and ask us um so on that note as ever i have been adrian mills and i have been graham raddings and you have been listening to zap to the past and we will see you again next week goodbye Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptoother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. 
Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.